Hello and welcome to Thoughts Disrupted, babe. It is time to make thriving the new standard. This podcast is for the self-led women who are committed to growth, healing, attaining their highest level of well-being, living life to the absolute fullest, and ready to show up as their confident, unapologetic, authentic selves. You know who you are. Let's fucking go. In today's episode, we have Kay Allison, who has been juicy AF, alcohol-free since 1999. She is a successful entrepreneur, author, and leader of an alcohol-free community. She helps women transform their lives by stopping the drinking spiral and creating their rich, rewarding, and joyful future. Kay has a book coming out in January, and this is for women who are relying on willpower to drink less, stop drinking, or live an alcohol-free lifestyle. Juicy AF provides illumination, inspiration, and practical actions that you can take to get free of the spiral of shame and remorse. Kay, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Can you tell us the story behind Juicy AF and the work that you do with women uh, who desire to be alcohol free? When I was new into sobriety in 1999, so I have been alcohol free for a super long time, but early in my uh, alcohol free existence, I walked into a recovery meeting and a woman was at the front of the room telling her story. She was impeccably groomed, beautifully dressed, super articulate. She told this story about deciding to give up drinking at 3 a.m. in her living room when she was with her husband, her boyfriend, and the police and thinking that was perfectly normal. And she threw back this mane of red curls and she laughed. And I remember being viscerally shocked and riveted because at the time, everything I was doing was buried under layers of remorse and shame and embarrassment and pretending that everything was fine, all wallpapered over with a sign that said, nothing to see here, move on along. And she embodied to me such grace and freedom and a sense of sparkling aliveness that not only did I want that for myself, but today I want to be that for other women. That's amazing. I mean, that we've talked about embodiment a lot on the podcast, and I think it is very much underestimated how much you inspire people when you embody what it is that you want to experience. And so that is such a beautiful, beautiful story. What do you think is the biggest challenge for women desiring not to drink in our society today? I think there are several. Um, Number one, the mommy wine culture, I think is so toxic. It's the same as what housewives in the 1950s were doing with mommy's little helper with their value. Then it was because we were so bored out of our skulls that we needed something to kind of numb out. Today, it's because we are being asked to do more than three people could do 
and we're overwhelmed. And so we numb out with mommy's wine. Why I think this is so toxic is we're complicit in numbing ourselves and draining our energy to the point where we can't demand societal change or create societal change. And we're complicit because we buy into it. So I think that's really, really toxic for women, number one. Number two, we think that we can quit anytime we want. But what happens to our neural pathways is that even drinking seven normal sized glasses of wine a week rewires our neural circuitry. So it makes drinking a habit that becomes perplexingly hard to break. And all of the willpower and all of the planning and all of the gumption that we use to change other things in our lives simply are ineffective when that habit has become entrenched. And that's a biological thing that you can't help. And then the third thing is that a lot of programs that have been around for a long time to deal with people who don't want to be drinking anymore, they tend to be very male and punitive and Christian and labeling and you have to have hit rock bottom and admit complete defeat before they say the program is going to work. And for somebody who's like, Hey, I just don't like the lines in my face anymore. And I don't want to drink, but I'm not having a lot of success here. That's a pretty big leap. Those are some really, really powerful points. I want to touch a little bit on each of them. The first one being the mommy wine culture. I I'm absolutely fascinated that you've brought that up. And I, I completely, I agree with, with what you've said. And I find that so fascinating. It's such a part of our, our culture, right? It's so accepted for us as parents to have this need to escape. And I'm actually seeing this conversation more and more in social media about being a distracted parent and, you know, the need that our children have, and I don't want to get too off topic with this. I just wanted to bring that up real quick. The need that our ch- children have for us to be present with them. And in order for us to be present with them, we have to be learn how to be present. And we can't do that when we are hiding behind phones, behind substances, behind television shows, behind, you know, all of the things. So I think that's absolutely fascinating and such a beautiful point to bring up. The second point you brought up about how, you know, it's, it's more than just mindset. It's more than just, I'm not going to do it anymore. This is a biological compulsion almost that you've created. And I want to kind of get your thoughts on this, a discussion around the importance of being aware of the effects that what you put in the body can have, not just like drinking can be bad for your liver if you have too much, like we know that, but understanding that what you put in your body can change your biological makeup. It can change the way you behave. It can change, right? Absolutely. I mean, so so we think, or most of our culture believes that having a drink of wine is a great way to take the edge off of our anxiety or frustration or exhaustion or overwhelm or whatever it is. But in reality, drinking creates anxiety. 
Drinking creates anxiety as little as seven drinks a week. That's as much, you know, one glass of wine a night, that's three on Wednesday and four on Saturday. Like however that that seven gets apportioned over the week, it causes anxiety in three biological ways. Number one, um, it thins our neocortex, which means that we have less control over our baser impulses and our impulsivity goes up, which creates anxiety, right? Like if I flip the boss off or I am telling my mother-in-law to go take a hike, all of a sudden I'm anxious because I did that impulsive thing. It hijacks our hormones between our pituitary gland, our adrenals, and our liver, it hijacks our hormones to actually produce more cortisol, which is the stress hormone. And the third thing is that it disrupts our sleep. And we know that when we sleep badly, we're less able to manage our stress. Like these are basic biological facts. You are messing with your mood and you're actually creating anxiety by drinking. Yeah. That, and that's huge, right? It's, it's so big. And I feel like, and, and let me know what your thoughts are on this. I feel like as women, I'm going to speak to women because I'm a, I'm a woman. That's my lived experience as women. We are not good or comfortable with expressing ourselves authentically. We feel this need to keep things kind of surface level, and I, and I feel that comes from our desire to just to keep everything going smooth and make sure everything, everybody's happy and everything's good. You know, we just, we have that desire inside of us. And so we have a hard time expressing authentically, but all of the stuff that you don't let out, it sits in there. And I kind of see it as alcohol being like, like a hole, like an area where some of that crap can leak out, except it doesn't leak out in a way that makes us proud. It doesn't leak out in a way that might be graceful or might be, you know, the way that we want to show up. And then that can cause a lot of anxiety. Would you agree? I agree. And I would say it's less of leaking out. It's kind of a Faustian bargain. It's like, oh, for this temporary period, I'm going to feel numb instead of anxious, stressed, overwhelmed, and pissed off. But, oh my God, it comes roaring back at 2x the power. Right. So while short-term, it might give some relief, longer-term, you really are signing on to a bargain where the price you're paying is pretty darn steep, biologically, relationally, you know, how many times after a couple of glasses of wine, do you say something to your partner or to a friend that you wish you hadn't said? And that's a, that's a steep toll. You know, I was drunk is not a get out of jail free card. Right. Tell us about how spirituality plays a role in this process, because I know in your work, spirituality, there's a very big emphasis on spirituality. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I can. So we were talking about how that first sip of wine, even hearing the cork pull out, like I would just feel like, oh, a sense of relief, right? 
I had to figure out how to live my life in a way where I didn't develop that edge to start with, right? So if I develop an edge by trying to make everybody else out there happy or to make everybody else out there like me or to prove to the world that I really am okay and enough, that's what develops the edge. And so what I've created is a very clear, straightforward methodology of saying, what is that belief about yourself and your place in the world that causes you to develop all that edge? And then let's substitute very specific spiritual principles for it, right? So for instance, instead of, and this is a mindset, a mindset thing and an action thing. So if I believe that I'm not okay until everybody else around me is okay, which a lot of us can identify with, the spiritual antidote is dignity, allowing other people the dignity to have their own experience and learn their own lessons. And that takes a certain degree of faith and surrender, doesn't it? Surrendering to what is. Oh my gosh, yes, right? (laughs) Uh, And, but really... Think about how you made your biggest lessons and had your biggest learnings. You know, I made horrendous decisions and experienced a lot of pain as a consequence, but gosh, did I learn? And why would I deny my kids or my spouse or my mom or my friends the same opportunity? If they ask, I'll say something, but if they don't ask, they get to have their experience. That is so powerful. And I feel like that is so respectful, right? Because a lot of times our inclination is that we want to tell people what they should be doing and we want to tell people how it should be done. And we want to like be giving the answers, but in reality, we all have our own lived experience and we have to experience that and we have to fuck up and like our kids have to fuck up. Like, that's part of the process. It absolutely is. And I always joke that I never got the memo of when I was supposed to stop being their protector and when I was supposed to let go and let them have their own experience. Nobody gave me the memo that today was the day. But over time, I mean, my kids are are almost 20 years apart in age. So I've been raising kiddos for 37 years, it is what I've learned is to back off, man, because the message I'm giving them, if I'm totally in there trying to fix and trying to tell them what they're doing is that they don't have the capacity to take care of themselves. And if I'm numbed out on wine or hungover, I'm also telling them that I need to be checked out in order to be with them. And that's a lousy message for a mom to give a kid. Yeah. I 100% hear you on that. What would you recommend to those who are sober curious or just starting their sober journey? So what I want to say to that woman is you will be amazed by what you can do with all the energy that you've been leaking out. Within five years of going alcohol-free, I increased my income by a multiple of six 
I met and married a guy that I'm still crazy about 22 years later. I adopted a child. I started two companies. I wrote a book. I mean, it was just insane what happened in five years. It was so shocking to me to realize how much of that I had just been dampening and letting leak out of me. The other thing is you need a roadmap and you need some companions. Uh, because this is such habitual behavior and it is, it has changed the wiring in your brain. And so it is mystifyingly hard to change. You need those two tools. You need the roadmap. You need a process. You need some guideposts because just quitting and keeping everything else the same, it, it just, I wish I had better news for you, but it, it doesn't work. The good news is the way you recreate your environment and, and the way that you move through the world is going to be so much better for you and so much int more interesting and vital, but it's hard to see from where you are. And then also having companions who are going through the same thing at the same time and also people that are a couple you know steps ahead of you, that tribe, that connection, that heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul connection is critical. I don't think I could have been alcohol free for this long or have wanted to be if I didn't have those kinds of relationships. It's huge, right? Like a lot of times we have to we we feel that we have to do things all on our own. That you know, we're in our house, we're in our bubbles and we've got our struggles and we think that we have to like plow ahead by ourselves when in reality the solution, the way out, the path forward is by finding people who can either go through it with you, who can support you, who can guide you, who can provide you with resources, like having some sort of connection while you're trying to make shifts is everything because we're not meant to do any of it alone. I think during the pandemic too, we just did. I mean, we were, we were isolated. And what I found it with alcohol specifically is there's a lot of shame. There are a lot of layers of shame and remorse and regret and embarrassment and pretending that everything's fine. And that's exhausting to spin up every single day. It's especially important when it comes to being sober curious or experimenting with being alcohol free to find people where you can just set all of that down. You can talk about how you stop at the liquor store on the way home and have a shooter. You can talk about whatever, because we've all done it. And there's no, in that community, in our community, there's no stigma and there's no shame. There's a lot of laughter and shared head nods about, oh yeah, I did that too. Oh yeah, I did that too. That's so, that's such a beautiful thing that that connection, right? We can talk about our mistakes and not have to feel bad about them. We can we can just share and and the the growth that and, and appreciate the growth that we've gained from it. So I find that so powerful. That's so such a beautiful thing. In the program I've created, Melissa, we track our progress and what is positive in our worlds, what we feel good about. And anything that we feel didn't go well, we use that as fuel for growth. 
by going, what, what, if I could rewind the tape, what would I have done differently? And generating a bunch of ideas for, I could have done any of these 20 things instead. Next time I'm in that kind of situation, I'm going to pick this one and experiment. So everything in my program is meant to be an invitation to an experience that you can learn from. It's not about good and bad. It's not about right and wrong. It's not about on track or off track. It's about what did you experience? And then let's actually think about what did we learn about what worked and what didn't work so well for me right now at this phase of my life. I feel that like that's a very feminine energy way of, of doing it. When you, when you spoke at the beginning that a lot of the spaces are very masculine based spaces, I feel like that's a very feminine energy. And, you know, it's nice to have options and different people are going to respond to different kinds of spaces. But I feel like, like you said, there is a need for, for a feminine energy type spaces, especially for people who are not at their rock bottom. And I feel like that's a really beautiful way of, of bringing in that feminine energy. Mm. Yeah, it's not judgmental and harsh and punitive. That's that's amazing. You've got a book coming out. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, I do. I just got my advanced reader copies and I'm super excited about the book. There are three parts and each part is meant for women at different stages. So the first part is how do I know if this is something that I should be experimenting with, if alcohol-free is something I should be experimenting with. The second part are very practical, tangible tools and ideas that you can put into place right away easily to shift and to be able to break that habit. But the third part is where it gets really cool And that's where you move from simply not picking up a drink to envisioning and then embodying your ideal future self. And we use spiritual laws of the universe to make that happen. It's very, very powerful. Beautiful. That is so exciting. Um, When and where will people be able to access your book? Well... January 10th is launch day and you can go to Amazon. It's called Juicy AF. Of course, the AF means alcohol free. I don't know what you're thinking, but also on my website, I have a bundle that includes not only the book, but a workbook and a journal and then membership in a live book club that I am running myself. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. We're going to be wrapping up soon, but first I want to ask, I love the word juicy. I love it. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I love it. I want to know why, why juicy? When I was still drinking, Melissa, I thought that a life without alcohol was going to be so dull and boring and lifeless. I thought I was going to be going to the library for fun on a Friday night. And I just, I thought it would just be devoid of any joy or any magic. And when I did drink, it felt magical. It felt colorful and it felt full of possibilities. And what I, the reason that I picked Juicy is because that's what my life is. It's so rich and full and abundant and creative and magical and full of possibilities. And I, I wanted it to be more about 
Oh my God, an alcohol-free life is a free life to create and become and experience whatever your heart desires. I wanted it to be enticing rather than you have a problem. And I wanted it to have a sense of humor because everything else in this world is so serious. You have a problem. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, come on in over here. The water's great. We're having a great time. The price, sure. The price to for admission is to not be drinking alcohol. But oh my God, once you get over that little hurdle, the rest of it is fantastic. Amazing. I love that so much. I love, <laughs> I love a sparkly life. I love a sparkly yeah. life. I love a colorful life. I love, I love an enthusiasm like that because enthusiasm and excitement, um, it's not dependent on anything. We get to create our own magic. So that's the key. You don't have to, you don't have to wait. You can be your ideal self. And if your drinking self isn't in line with your ideal self, it may be time to experiment for four months, six months, two weeks, whatever it is with moving all of your life towards that ideal self. Okay. What do you want to leave our audience with before we sign off? What I want to say is you don't have to hit rock bottom. You don't have to be an alcoholic. You don't have to have a drinking problem to decide that you want to experiment with what it feels like to get better sleep, to have your gut straightened out and to live free of the drain of alcohol. And if you make the decision that you want to explore this, come on over to juicyaf.life and join our community, join what we're doing. It's fun, lighthearted, heartfelt, soul to soul. You don't have to pretend. Um, There is another way to live. Beautiful. Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and we will see you next time. You're fucking awesome, babe. Thanks for having a listen, babe. I hope this episode lit you up and inspired you. If you're feeling what I'm putting out, your five-star review would mean the world to me. I'm so grateful we've connected. Have the best fucking week, okay?